Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. Tonight, uh, I want to pick up where we left off last night. Uh, This will be Faith's Greatest Challenge, Part 2. And uh, I pray that it will be a blessing uh, to your life. Reading from Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, reading verses 31 through 34. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both into prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, (laughs) the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. Wow. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When Peter made the decision to lay aside his fishing boats and follow Jesus, that was all he needed to do to become a target of Satan. Jesus wanted Peter to understand, however, the same faith that led him to make that decision to follow Christ would be the same faith to enable him to withstand the attack of Satan regardless of what that attack would be. Jesus also wanted Peter to understand not only was he going to get through this wicked attack, but he would be positioned to help others once he himself got through it. And most of us, when going through crisis, can hardly see ourselves surviving, let alone helping others. And I know that no one in this church family has ever been there. I'm just speaking to myself right now. God spoke through the prophet Habakkuk a very powerful truth about faith as it relates to those who are living just and right before God. I'd like to read it. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse number 4. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him. But the just shall live by his faith. The just shall live by his faith. The Apostle Paul quoted Habakkuk when he wrote his letter to the Hebrew church who was obviously under the attack of the enemy and feeling pressured to walk away from God. 
The Apostle Paul actually quoted Habakkuk when he wrote his letter to the Hebrew church who was under, no doubt, a very traumatic attack of the enemy. I want to read, start reading it in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Watch this, for a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. And here's Paul quoting Habakkuk. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any or anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Paul then reminded the church who they were and who they weren't. I want to say that again. Paul then reminded the church who they were and who they were not. Hebrews 10 and 39. Let's read it. But we are not those who draw back to perdition. The word perdition there means destruction. But of those who believe to the saving of the soul. I'd like to give you an Ellis paraphrase of what I believe Paul is saying. We may be struggling right now in this current crisis. Our thoughts are cloudy and our eyes are blurred with tears. But we are not those who turn back only to be destroyed. Hear me, please. Stuff happens. Unexpected stuff, as this church well knows. And Satan will do anything and everything he can to make things appear as big and as impossible to handle as he possibly can. Yes, some things are our own doing for sure. Some of us have made some pretty dumb mistakes, some pretty dumb decisions that have had consequences directly connected to those decisions. I have often said, and I will say it again, and it's so important to understand, your future, my future, your destiny, my destiny, will not be determined by God's will, but it will be determined by the decisions we choose to make. God wills all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, if that's the will of God, and if the will of God always comes to pass, then why aren't all men saved? Why hasn't everyone that has ever lived come into the knowledge of the truth? Simply because God forces no one. We make choices. And so I say it again. 
Some things are our own doing for sure. However, some things are in fact the results of others, be it people or be it Satan. And we actually had nothing to do with it. Regardless of the reason, however, regardless of why your faith or my faith may be challenged, the answer remains the same. The just, those who are right in God's eyes, live by faith. Paul, in his letter to the Hebrews, wanted them to have a clear understanding what it meant to live by faith and gave them multiple examples. I want to read beginning with Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The fact that there would be, Paul said, evidence to validate things that are invisible. Now, let's look at this verse for just a moment. The word faith here literally means persuasion, confidence, assurance. In other words, faith is the conviction that something is true. Now, the word substance, it's an interesting word. It's it's a little more difficult to understand in the English. But from the Greek text, it's very clear what Paul is saying. The word substance here literally means a setting under or a support. That there is, because of our assurance, because of our confidence, that God is true and his word is truth. There is built within his plan a substructure, a support system, That even though we may not see it, there is absolute evidence that it exists. The supports of this church building that I'm standing in tonight teaching this live stream are not seen. Yes, there are a few pillars around. But the, the actual support system that is keeping this building from collapsing... It's not visible. However, we have evidence. There's a substructure. And there are supports in this building. They do exist. How do we know? We don't see them. No. But we see the building standing. I have no fear or worry about the building collapsing over my head tonight. Why? 
I trust that there was an architect and then there were builders that followed that knew how to follow the blueprint and put a substructure, a foundation, and put a support system into this building. In other words, we may not visibly see the support system. However, we trust the architect that he placed a support system into the design so that when the storms come, not only does the building continue to stand, but it also becomes a place of shelter and protection from that storm. In God's wisdom, he knew there would be storms. Is there anybody tonight other than, under the sound of my voice that has not experienced storms in your lifetime? And I'm not just talking about the natural storms of rain and thunder and lightning and hurricane or tornado, etc. I remember what it was my very first trip to Okinawa. And uh, I had never been in a hurricane in my life. Been raised in Ohio my entire life. Over in Asia, they don't call them hurricanes. They call them typhoons because they, they spin differently. That's really the only difference between a typhoon and a hurricane. But we landed in Naha one day before the strongest, most powerful typhoon in the history of Naha, in the history of Okinawa, ever hit that island. And I remember the eeriness of it. I remember it very, very well. It was quite an experience, to say the least. But the building that we were in, we were very safe. I felt safe. You know why? Because that island and that nation they live with those types of storms multiple times a year. So they've learned how to build their buildings to handle the storms. Don't you understand what the Holy Ghost is trying to say to us? The God that we serve, whose name is Jesus, knew what it would take to handle whatever storms might come our way. How many is thankful? For the substructure. How many is thankful for the support system? In Jesus' instructions to us about the two houses, it's interesting. There was no identifying difference between the building that weathered the storm and the building that was completely destroyed, except one thing the foundation. That which supports the substructure. Paul listed several very powerful testimonies of why by faith they could trust God. And it's a word to us tonight as well. Watch it now. Verse 2. For by it, by faith, the elders 
obtained a good testimony. Paul then took them all the way back to creation and explained how it was faith that brought forth creation. The evidence that faith was at work was revealed by what we now see even though it was not visible when it was spoken. Watch it, verse 3 through 5. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. For by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him for before he was taken. He had this testimony that he pleased God. Regardless if you heard anything I've said to this point, anything I've said on Sunday, anything I said last night, will you please hear tonight from this point what I believe God wants all of us to understand on this final night of revival 2020. Verse 6 of this great chapter. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let me give you three key points that I believe the Holy Ghost wants us to understand. Without faith, number one, without faith, it is not possible to please God. I want to say it again. Without faith, it is not possible to please God. The second point you need to understand and I need to understand, faith says God is. Not just that he was in the past. Hey, I got some memories. I got some stories that I can go back and I can tell you of things that God did in our past. But I want to tell you, the God that worked in our past is ready and willing and able to work today. Why? He is. He is. And it's also interesting and important to understand he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what that means? He's the God of the future. If you and I will not drop our shield of faith, as we said last night, God will step in to your dilemma, into my dilemma. When, Bishop? When? How about right now? How about tonight? How about right now? In Jesus' name. And then the third thing I believe that he wants us to understand is that God is a rewarder. That literally means a remunerator. In other words... He gives wages. He gives rewards to those, watch this now, who diligently 
seek him. I got a question. What are you searching for? What are you searching for? What so many people don't understand to diligently seek for something is an earnest search or to search out. I promise you, if you lost something extremely valuable and you remember or you think you know where it was, but for whatever reason, you can't find it, but yet it has great value, I promise you, you'll tear your house upside down looking to find that which was valuable. You know how to search. I knew how to search. I wonder if possibly from this message tonight that we could maybe at this time of revival, at this time of renewal, if we couldn't maybe redirect our search. I wonder if we couldn't align our focus and get back into searching for the things that God has taught us to search for. Oh, we search all right. We search for an escape. We search for a reversal. And as we said last night in part one, we search to the answer of why. Thinking if we know why something happens, it will change everything. I tell you tonight in the fear of God, understanding why is no guarantee anything will change. The only thing that will change anything guaranteed is if we and I, you and I, will trust the sovereignty of God for the why and simply do what he directs you and I to do. Never forget, God knows how to talk. The question is, do we know how to position ourselves to listen? I'll never forget when my wife and I were in Germany some years ago and we were preaching in a German, it was a German city, but it was a Russian-speaking congregation. And as many times as we've been to Russia and been to Eastern Europe, neither my wife and I speak Russian. I know a few words, Slava Bogo, Pajalsta, Dosadanya, a few of those words, you know, that you pick up. But uh, I don't know how to speak the language. My wife doesn't know how to speak the language. And the Russian-speaking pastor, I saw him as we walked into the building. And he was in this intent conversation with this lady. Maybe I ought to reverse it. He was standing there listening while this lady was really being very intent in what she was saying to him. Of course, I had no idea what it was about. And she and, and pastor didn't say a word to me about it. That night I got up and preached what I felt directed to preach. I preached that night on the God of miracles. Not knowing that the question she was asking her pastor very adamantly is why don't we see miracles today? God moved in that service in a very miraculous way. In fact, her and her husband both received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in that service. This precious lady was kneeling down in the front 
And I watched my wife as she does normally. She, she's very sensitive to the Holy Ghost. And she simply went, walked over to the lady. She knelt down. And I saw that she was whispering into her ear and speaking to her. I didn't think anything about it. I didn't think even anything about the language barrier. And neither did my wife. My wife just simply knelt down and in English began to speak to her what she felt the Lord wanted her to tell this precious lady. A few minutes later, that lady got up, walked over to her pastor and said, Pastor, please tell Sister Ellis I understood everything she said to me. My wife spoke to her in English. She heard it in Russian. I'm telling you today, God knows how to talk if we will simply allow ourselves to earnestly and diligently seek after him. Let me remind us one more time how Paul instructed the church at Ephesus to confront the attacks of the enemy. We read it last night, but I feel directed to read it again tonight. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. But put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the trickery of the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. God does not want us to fall regardless of how evil the days become. And then he says this, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded, having, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And then verse 16, and we put a lot of emphasis on it last night. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And then continuing to read, and I want to spend just a few moments in closing on these final verses. Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 17. And taking the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Watch this now. Praying always. Come on, say that with me. Praying always. And notice this. With all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, watch this now, with all perseverance, in other words, regardless of what you may face, 
and supplication for all saints. Verse 19. And for me, that utterance may be given to me. Watch it now. That I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Let me close tonight by sharing with you what I believe are three key disciplines as disciples of Christ that we must do everything in our power to keep alive and keep that keep active and when these disciplines are practiced daily and consistently not out of duty but out of love and an earnest desire they will become implements of warfare to both you individually and to the church collectively regardless if we are able to gather collectively or if we have been put in a lockdown number one i bet you all can guess i know we're not gamblers i shouldn't have said it that way i'm quite sure you all can guess what number one is paul said praying always prayer prayer Praying always with all supplication in the spirit, with all perseverance. Let nothing, and this is Ellis talking now, but I believe it, 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 it frames what Paul is saying. Let nothing interfere with your prayer life. Let nothing interfere with your prayer life. But Bishop, you don't understand how much I hurt. No, I don't. But Jesus gave us such an amazing example. What do you mean? He, it was, it's recorded this way. But being in agony, he, Jesus, prayed more earnestly. And as a result, angels came and strengthened him. I have no doubt that if we will persevere in prayer, as agonizing as it may be at times, God will send angels to you and to me to strengthen us. Or as he said to the Ephesian church, he'll quench all those fiery darts of the enemy. The second thing, the second discipline We must give ourselves to, and Pastor Tom said it so aptly tonight before I came up here, and that is we must continue in the discipline of his word, both spoken and written. Never take for granted or minimize the importance of God's holy word. This is not black ink written on Indian paper. This is a living, breathing document. Jesus said, the word that I speak unto you, it is spirit and it is life. This word lives. This word lives. This word lives. 
And if you'll search it out diligently, I promise you, it'll live in you. And you'll find strength. And you'll find resource that you've never known. Again, please forgive me for a personal reference. Or maybe if I've shared it with this local church before. But I want to tell you why I stand here tonight. And probably why your pastor is our son and he is in the gospel tonight. I want to tell you why. Because there was a time in our life when our lives were everything but living godly. Though there was something on the inside of me that wanted to do right. And I remember that little youth service in the early part in January of 1976. I was still a competitive weightlifter. That year I would later be in the Olympic trials that year in 1976. But that the beginning of that year in that little youth service, the youth leader said, listen, we're going to make a we're not going to make a New Year's resolution. We're going to make a contract tonight. Just like you sign a contract to a bank. It took me years before I realized what do those little darlings even understand about contracts with banks. I'm going to tell you who that service was for. That service was for me. And here's what she said. I want you to take this paper and this pencil. And I want you to write down five things that you've never done before. But you're going to, for the next year, in this next year, you're never going to miss a day. I want you to write it down, and then I want you to sign your name just like it's a contract. And I thought about it. My wife and I sat there in that service, and I thought about it, and I thought about it. And I thought, you know what? I don't know that I can think of five things, but there's two things that came to my mind very quickly. I realized that I did not pray. Prayer was something I simply did at youth camp. Prayer was something I did on the special revival service. Prayer was something I did when something really went wrong and I, I got an F on a report card and I knew I was going to get a paddle and when I got home. Prayer was, was something that you only did in crisis time, you know. It wasn't something you did on a regular basis. And I thought, you know what? I don't want my children, I don't want our children to grow up and not be a man or a woman of prayer. I don't want them to, to see a dad that doesn't pray, that doesn't know anything about prayer. And so I wrote that little statement down. I'm not going to allow myself to go to sleep one night in 1976 that I don't first pray. And then the second thing that came to my mind immediately, I knew I did not read the word, let alone study the word, except again for those rare times at youth camp when we had scriptures to study or scriptures to memorize. I did have a little short stint in Bible quizzing way back before the flood, uh, but it, that lasted about two quizzes and it was done. But I didn't, I didn't, I don't even know if I owned a Bible at that time. I guess I did. I, I don't even know. But in 1976, in that January youth service, number two, I'm not going to go to bed at night, not one night until I have at least read the Bible. I didn't set time limits. I didn't set numbers of chapters. I just simply said, I'm going to read. The only boundary that I put on or, or limit that I put on was if I started a, script, a, a, a scripture, if I started a chapter, I'm going to finish a chapter. And I still keep that to this day. I can't tell you when it happened. But somewhere about six months in, even though I was still training six days a week, even though I was still adamant about 
preparing myself to win gold medals, something began to change. You know where it started? Right here. I began to think differently. I started noticing people that were hurt and sick and afflicted. I started looking at people that didn't know God, that hadn't had the privilege of being raised and brought up in truth. I would go to the gym, and I was a very passionate trainer. I didn't like to train with a lot of people. In fact, I didn't train only one person because they weren't detailed or not detailed, but they weren't passionate enough, and they, they weren't intense enough. And, and I, 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 I just I, I was all about training. Well, I, I came into a problem because now I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get focused on my workout but I can't think. It sounds crazy, but all I could think about was God. I'd walk up to the barbell just to do warm-ups, and I'm thinking about God. I get down and get ready to pick the barbell up, and I, I can't even lift it because my mind is totally distracted. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. There was something that began to be formed in me. I wasn't in some deep theological study. I didn't have a flip chart that somebody walked me through. I just simply took this book. And every day of my life, I found myself in it. Every day of my life, I found myself knelt down somewhere in prayer. And I can tell you, somewhere in the middle of that year, my life began to change. And at that point... It began to change our entire footprint of our family and what would become our family legacy. You've come too late to tell me this is just ink on Indian paper. This word is powerful. The word, David said, have I hid in my heart that I might not Sin against thee. Jesus gave us the example of how to fight the enemy. He never reached back into his divinity and pulled out a miracle. You know what he did? Here's what he said. It is written. That's the example he gave us. Oh, the power of the word. And then number three, the third discipline. And this may shock some of you, but it is the weapon, what I call the weapon of praise. Watch what Paul wanted the church to persevere in. Ephesians 6, 19 again, as for me, that utterance. That word utterance there is actually logos. It's spoken or written. That utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Why? Why would Paul ask for the boldness to speak God's word? I want to tell you why verse 20 reveals it. 
for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I might speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul actually wrote this epistle sitting in a prison cell bound in chains for preaching the gospel. I know we don't typically think of this as a reference to praise. But I want to remind us of something Paul said to the Hebrews in chapter 13. Therefore, by him, Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Do you and I understand that praise is a bold declaration? That Paul said it was the fruit of our lips. Do you need to be, do you need to be in this building to be boldly praising him? It's the only time you can boldly praise him is when you're gathered together with the church family? I don't think so. In fact, a thousand times, no. I am absolutely convinced that the discipline of praise is something we ought to practice on a regular basis. Now, if you could, could you go to Psalms? I'm going to read in closing. Psalms 149, verses 1 through 9. And then we're going to read Psalms 50. Watch this again. The weapon. Say weapon. Weapon. Weapon of praise. Look what he says. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. And his praise in the assembly of saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their kings. Let them praise his name with a dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Watch this now. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Could that mean beds of affliction? Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and the punishments on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. Watch this. To execute on them the written judgment. This honor have all his saints. Praise ye the Lord. Psalms 150. Can you read it out loud with me where you are right now? Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him with the flute and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him 
with the stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Don't you understand? God knew that when you're giving praise and honor to your creator, there's something that takes place all at once. Your mind becomes shifted and your thinking begins to change. Have you ever watched a service when you've been collectively together? And the praise and worship team gets up and they begin to sing. And they hit that right place on the channel. And the glory of God begins to fall. And all of a sudden, it's just not the saints reacting now, but the guests Some maybe who have never been in an apostolic church in their life. All of a sudden, big old tears are paving highways down their cheeks. Their lips begin to quiver. They have no idea what's going to happen or what's happening. They just know they have entered into an atmosphere that they've never experienced before. What happens all of a sudden? All the junk they came in carrying all the baggage. They came in carrying all the, 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 the mind that had been in such confusion and the eyes that were so blurred with the tears of the mess that they were in. All of a sudden, in, they don't even know what's going on. Their minds begin to shift. Their mind becomes clear. Their focus changes and they start looking heavenward. Their spirit becomes empty and the man of God or the woman of God gets up and begins to preach under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden the engrafted word takes root and finds the good ground in their life. And how many of you or a living testimony of that very thing right now. You have been recipients of that very event in your life. Prayer, the word, praise. Never lose those disciplines. And so I close with this. At the close of this Renewal, revival, restoration, time. Above all, (laughs) your faith been challenged. Above all, taking the shield of faith, whereby you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. I just noticed something here, whereby... You shall be able to quench. That's interesting. All the fiery darts of the wicked. Do you understand what's resident in you right now? And if you've never received the Holy Ghost, what are you waiting for? If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, what are you waiting for? Come on, Calvary Church. In the midst of a Challenged faith. Don't drop that shield. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for allowing us to be here. To celebrate with this 
great church, Cincinnati, a homecoming out of this COVID-19 issue. And Lord, be with them as they open up and begin to gather together in this building. But God, I pray that they will never forget that they have learned the importance of being the church outside of the four walls of this lovely facility. Lord, I am absolutely convinced as we get later in to the 21st century and as we draw closer to your coming, the greatest miracles, the greatest manifestation of your power and glory will not be done within four walls, but they will be done outside of our buildings as we learn to love you in a depth we've never known you before. And then, Lord, because you love us, we then are able to love one another and to love people as you loved us. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.